Well, as the band Boston would say, it's been such a long time since we've had a live room here on Lockdown Bearcats. I'm joined by my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, Russ Hellman. Russ, I mean, the last time, Russ, we were on a live room was uh, the week before opening day. So that's how long it's been, but we're glad to be back with you. We got a lot to get to today, and we only got 30 minutes to do it, so... uh, we're previewing Saturday's spring game, which Russ, you and I will both be at. Looking forward to uh, seeing you and seeing everybody down in Cincinnati. And uh, you're locked on Bearcats, so uh, let's have some fun. Our locked on Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome on in to this week's live room Lockdown Bearcats. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ Helpman is my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. He is, of course, joining me as he does what we used to do every week, but uh, it's been a while since we've had a live room with our crazy schedules, but we're back here with you today and looking forward to uh, getting rolling here in this week's live room. Russ, we got a very important excuse me, game on Saturday, and it's not going to be moved. It's not going to be moved indoors like it was last year. How about that? Hopefully not. Weather looking really good, and honestly, I don't. I guess they could try to use the Bengals facility, but it might just get canceled if some freak storms move in Saturday early morning during that noon kickoff time. So fingers crossed we can get this whole thing in. Been a great week of weather here in Cincinnati. Really good end of spring practice weather. Get the guys used to the elements a little bit before uh, that full heat hits at Camp Higher Ground, I'm assuming at Camp Higher Ground, under this new staff in August. So let's get to, um, let's get to, has Scott Satterfield said anything about how the spring game is going to work? Yeah, so what we're going to look, what it's going to look like on Saturday, not a full red versus black team, nothing like that. I don't think they're really going to keep a full-on score. I, they might have a score up on the board, but ultimately there's not enough players healthy on the roster right now to field two teams. They especially don't have enough wide receivers to be able to field two teams succinctly and get meaningful results out of those types of matchups. So it's going to be kind of a more intense team period than we're used to seeing in the media, that is, and people that have been checking out practice at Nipper Stadium over the past couple of weeks. A little bit more intense team period Less install, so less stuff on the plates of the offense, less stuff on the plates of the playmakers. They're going to kind of just roll the balls out there and let these guys go make plays, go showcase their skills in front of the fans, and really get some of the athleticism and some of those reps that are less thinking reps onto the the game tape and be able to evaluate that as we move into the summer weightlifting program. So are you saying, is there going to be tackling involved in this game? Like, is it going to be like a scrimmage? that we would see maybe in August, like, is there going to be like actual tackling or how's that going to work? Cause I know you said, yeah, I think, I think there'll be actual tackling. Not, I, I would say light tackling. I don't think there's, they're going to be kind of telling guys, let's not go head hunting out there. Let's not go. Let's say hey, Brian threats. Let's not re let's not do a reverb of East Carolina 2022 last year during nip at night when he uh, knocked out Keaton Mitchell. Yeah. So I don't think there's going to be anything like that. And obviously I don't think there's going to be any touching of the quarterback. There's just no reason to do that, especially with with it's such a tight race right now. And among two guys that are entering their final years of eligibility, you don't really want to risk having 
that kind of catastrophic injury happen in this race. I agree with you. Um, so let me ask you this, because I, I've, I've been talking about this on the show all week, and that is, what is the current state of the program, Russ? Because it, there's something really interesting to me, is that the Cincinnati Bearcats football program finally has a stable conference home. And what I mean by that is, you look at the last 20 years, the program has done a really good job of building stability. 14 bowl games in 17 years will do that. But they've been, as Bill Cook, the legendary writer for GoBearCats.com, Cincinnati Inquirer, and Cincinnati Post, he said they've been nomads. But now that they're in a you know a Power 5 conference and they hope to be for the next hopefully 10 to 20 years or however many years down the road, like assess for me going into the first spring game under Satterfield and the first spring game in the Big 12, what the state of the program is in your opinion. It's in flux. It's definitely a state of flux. There's no doubt about it. It's a transition year. It's a year where temp expectations clearly have to be tempered. And I, I would say, especially offensively, like it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get consistent points put on the board this season, especially when you think about like, yeah, it's a tight quarterback race right now, but none of, I don't think either of these guys or any, I don't think there's a top 50 quarterback in college football on the roster right now. Maybe, maybe there's a top 50, but there surely isn't a top 30 quarterback in college football on the roster right now. And given that fact, given the fact that you probably don't have a top 50 wide receiver in college football on the roster either, it's going to be difficult to throw the ball this season, even if they get Shane Hooks from Jackson State to come over and be one of these transfer additions at wide receiver, or you get somebody else, uh, the Kansas receiver that went in the portal yesterday. Even if you add one or two guys and really shore up that room with veteran talent, at this point in the game, the best players are, are off the board. And so essentially it's a year of transition for the Bearcats. It's a year of flux. And it's a year where you try to establish the culture of Scott Satterfield. And I think they're doing that so far through spring practice. It's been a pretty happy environment so far. It's been a good chemistry environment. All the interviews, players I've talked to seemingly love the staff. They love all their teammates. So all the things that you can control – outside of talent amassing is going well for this team, especially when you think about the staff. They're getting a ton of praise from the players. Brian Brown's defense is translating greatly to the talent that's already here. And then when you think about the offense, that's usually this portion of the game where it takes a little bit more time to get your body types in there, get the type of players that you want fit into the team, as opposed to what they've had to do in the past couple months, which is just try to replenish a completely empty receiver room with any kind of warm bodies they can find, any kind of guys, especially veterans they can find to come in and be able to handle the job. But, I mean, as of right now, Donovan Ollie, he's been pretty solid, stable in practice so far. D. Wiggins, when he's been able to play and practice fully, has been stable, solid so far. But that's the thing, stable, solid. There's no Alec Pierce. There's no big-name threat. There's no Marty Gilliard on this team that's going to really unlock the passing attack in terms of wide receiver. And so I think a year of flux, especially – offensively is where this program is at. And maybe the defense could be enough to keep them hovering around 500 in 2023. Yeah, I think that's really that's a really good assessment there, Russ, because I, I, I do think, look, the defense is going to keep them in every game. You say they don't have a top 50 quarterback or a top 50 wide receiver. I mean, this that, that's something this program is used to having over the last five years. You mentioned Pierce. I'll throw Tyler Scott in there. They had Desmond Ritter prior to Ben Bryant. Now, that's not to say that who, who's on the roster right now can't emerge as someone like that of that caliber, but going into the season, it's going to be a challenge. Now, 
let me ask you this. I know we're up against it before this first live read here, but do you be better this year than it was last year? Yes, I do. I really do. I love the play style, the fit between this kind of slowly but surely building offensive line, which is looking like Philip Wilder on the right side, then D'Artagnan Tinsley at right guard, Gavin Gerhardt at center, and Trevor Radosevich at left guard, and then John Williams at left tackle. Maybe they try to add in the portal at tackle. I could see that being a thing. Although, just like in the NFL, every team in the nation, from high school to college to the NFL, needs upgraded tackle play in large part, for the most part they do. So that's a high-demand high, uh, high item that they might not be able to get in the portal. But those guys have gelled pretty well so far. The outside zone run schemes and team period that I've seen have really, especially over the past couple of weeks, as that chemistry is built, it's been opening up some lanes. Ethan Wright is running angry out there. Miles Montgomery is running angry out there. His playing style and kind of downhill rushing attack type of style really fits this outside zone scheme. He said he loves getting that to get into that edge and be able to get downhill and lay down some wood in the open field. And then Corey Kiner has been very stable. I think he'll be right in the mix for bell cow status in this on this running back attack that may not have a bell cow. Alex, they yeah. might cycle through four or five guys and get close to the, the modern record for rushing attempts in a UC season. Like this season in 2023, they're going to pound the rock. They're going to use a lot of 12 personnel, I'd imagine, a lot of two tight end sets. Joey Belgian, done for the year, unfortunately. Serious knee injury. So that's a big uh-huh. item that they might have to also attack in the portal now. But all in all, I think this rushing attack with that stable of running backs is the dominant strength of this team. That run blocking prowess of those five guys in the offensive line starting group right now has showed through. And even like retro sophomore Victor Dawson is hitting lanes hard, hitting open holes hard, making pads crunch in the middle of the field. He's popped to me. Sean Thomas has had some decent runs. I mean, it's been a lot, a CVS receipt of guys getting reps and doing a decent job with them in the running back room. So that's definitely been the shining light of spring practice offensively. CVS receipt. Where'd you come up with that? Did Justin Williams teach you that? No, I, I, I can't remember when I first said that, but that's been a, that's been a, wow. a, Cliche that I use in my uh, wow. my bank all the time. Someone actually taking note of how long CVS receipts are. I like it. They're long. They are. They long. are very long. Now, notice for those of you listening, Russ, you didn't mention Luke Kandra in that starting five combination. What's what, what's going on with him? He has a shoulder injury right now. I believe that's the upper body injury. I might I don't probably run through one of Scott Satterfield's uh, media availabilities over the past couple of weeks on all Bearcats to confirm that, but an upper body injury that's going to keep him out of the spring game, keep him out for the next few weeks or so. But Scott Satterfield asked him about it last week. He said, Kandra should be ready to compete in fall camp. And that's where you could see him battling it out with Radosevich and, uh, and with D'Artagnan Tensley as well at that one of those okay. guard spots, maybe even with, uh, with Gavin Gerhardt, maybe they move Gerhardt to guard they end up putting Kandra at center. Who knows? It's going to be an interesting kind of interior three-man, best three options battle out there uh, in Camp Higher Ground once fall camp rolls around. That's definitely the biggest thing to watch if they don't add another tackle via the transfer. Interesting. All right. So there, there's the situation in the offensive line. Luke Kandra battling that upper body injury. Russ, as you mentioned, you mentioned they might go out and get some transfers. You mentioned Joey Belgia now. That's unfortunate. I'll throw a tight end name out there to you, Russ, because I was looking at the tight ends in the transfer portal. Varkius Gums from North Texas. Hmm. 
What a name. Yeah, I know. I don't know if you've looked at his numbers, Russ. They're better than Wiley or Taylor's last year. Bring him, get him a call. Get him a contact right there. I know they did contact, um, who was it? Anthony Wilson from Georgia Southern okay. recently. Safety, defensive back. And that's a spot that I know that they're trying to kind of beef up the depth a little bit there. And obviously receiver is going to be a big option. Tight end wise, though, in terms of the state of the room, obviously Joey Belgian, serious knee injury. I believe it is season ending, if not completely wiping out his entire spring, the rest of the spring, obviously, and deep into summer. So it's a major injury for Joey Belgian. And and Coach Satterfield said he would give a full confirmation on his status uh, once we got past the spring game. But I think it was uh, Justin Williams I saw in his state of the roster kind of looking at the depth chart piece he wrote on the athletics that it was season ending so nevertheless a very serious injury for Joey Belgium who was going to be I would say the number one option at tight end this year and now Alex it's all Shaman Mater it's CM season in Clifton the dude looks very very good if I will say there's one positive glaring aspect of the passing attack Shaman Mater is separating I think he's separating the best of any of the pass catchers in my eyes and I think he could have a huge season finally live up to that number one highest rated recruit in his class status from a couple years back. Shaman Mater has impressed me to say the least after suffer, after battling through injury to start camp, having to work with the receivers a little bit to avoid that physical contact. He's embraced it wholeheartedly over the past week, 10 days as he uh, has gotten rid of that yellow Jersey and moved back into the tight end room as in my eyes, the number one, one, a one B tight end alongside Peyton Singletary, who, if they don't add another tight end, I would imagine we'll get the majority of the Leonard Taylor to Josh Wiley, Shaman Mater snaps that we saw split last year. Let's just hope that um, the, that Shaman Mater actually gets incorporated into the game plan as a, a huge criticism of the Bearcats offense last year was the lack of re- lack of usage of Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor. I am way late for uh, this live reading for me to tell you that this episode of Lockdown Bearcats coming up, by the way, in segment two, Russ is going to, Russ, you're going to, I want to hear from you, your best case and worst case outcomes from Saturday's spring game. So, and of course, we'll get to the latest surrounding the quarterback battle that may be closer than you thought it was going to be. But we'll hear from Russ on that after I explain to you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Pups. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. You got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better, Russ, is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering Bilt Bars at Bilt.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors still at Bilt.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of our hit flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. 
Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. For those who listen every day, well, we don't have a show tomorrow because it's Saturday. But on Monday, we'll have a spring game recap. Looking forward to that, Russ. You and I will be back on Thursday afternoon next week. And we will get to everything that happened in the spring game on Saturday. That we will. That we will. So I did this topic earlier today. I want to know from you what your best case and worst case outcomes are from the spring game. Best case scenario is that you have a quarterback that lights it up, completely dominates the session, says, I'm ready to be the UC starting quarterback in 2023 with my play in the spring game. I am the veteran that deserves the option and I should be given the keys to the kingdom. That is the top, top scenario. And I don't know, like, like, sure, you're building more offensive line chemistry. That's a good scenario. You're building more chemistry on the back end of the defense. That's a good scenario. But if if these quarterbacks go out there and stink it up, Alex, which I don't think that's going to happen, but if, if they go out there and both play average, you get no real clear front rudder coming out of the spring game, it's just going to bring even more cloudy questions around that position, which as of now we're going to dive into it in the final segment is not even close to getting answered. And then the worst case scenario is it's kind of similar. It's the opposite of what I just said. You have terrible quarterback play. The offense can't move the football at all. You can't even really run the ball because Brian Brown's defense is keying in on that. Bringing guys up closer to the line of scrimmage because they know these kind of slower, less able to create separation wide receivers are out there on the field and not getting anything done. And then you have a morass. You get less than two touchdowns scored total by the offense, something like that in terms of real true drives. And it's just a kind of a little bit of watching paint dry type of entertainment product Mm. on Saturday in terms of this offense and what it might be this fall. So worst case scenario, you get bad, bad quarterback play and you just can't move the football at all. Best case scenario, one of these quarterbacks clearly shows that they should be the starter in 2023. I agree with you there. Um, I think, too, what's interesting is the offensive line, which is going to be inexperienced because you have so many new faces. I think one of the benefits that they get is they get to go up against the defensive line every day in, in practice. That is really good and really experienced. But what's like, should the defensive line be dominating them? Is that a good thing? Or like, what's the the best case right now? What's like the best thing you want to see in the trenches right now with a with an inexperienced offensive line going up against a very good, talented, and experienced defensive line? I would say I would love to see a split. You'd love to see a split of reps in terms of the, the offense creates five explosive plays and the defense creates five tackles for loss slash sacks. You'd love to see four touchdowns on offense and three to four crazy good turnover-created plays on defense. You want to see a balance, definitely. And I don't know that we're going to necessarily see that. I would expect the defensive line to continue being as good as they've been all throughout the spring because, A, it's a little bit easier to gel defensively earlier on in a camp, earlier on in a system. And, B, the defensive line of the Cincinnati team right now is the strength of the program. And I would argue it's one of the best defensive lines in the entire conference. So when you put that up against an offensive line that is completely just just pieced together in the last month and a half – I would not expect we get a split. I would expect to see the defensive line perform very well and kind of probably dominate the game. But what you can't have happen is 
the defensive line dominates so much that you don't get any answers at this quarterback position that you can't even operate an offense because at times you're getting such poor pass protection, which it, that, that, there was some reps like that throughout spring over the past couple of weeks, especially early on where obviously the quarterback's not getting actually sacked, but I'm writing down in my, in my notes app, Bryant drops back to pass four five seconds, coverage sack, something like that. Or Daniel Greshick gets the Bryant quickly, something like that. Or Daniel Greshick gets the Jones quickly. These quarterbacks need some time, just some modicum of time to be able to showcase their skill set and try to take a step forward yeah. in this race. I think you're right. And I, I I think what's so interesting is that you have so many guys on that D line that we haven't even mentioned, like Greshick, and then you got Malik Van, who I think he might be one of the most interesting players on this team, Russ, because he's he's coming off that torn peck. He was supposed to be a you know a featured player on the scouting report last year. He wasn't, but now he's going to be this year, and it's going to be in the Big 12. I think about Dante Corleone. Uh, has is Dante Corleone, is he looking better than he was last year? Is he looking about the same as he was last year? Like, what, what's your assessment of the go- of, of the godfather through spring practice so far? He's stronger. He's better. He's quicker. Dante Corleone may be the best defensive player in the conference this year. Wow. It very, he very well may so be. He may player, single-handedly – he, he could, he, I don't know that he's going to, he's not going to win it because it's going to be, I mean, he would have to notch four or five sacks as a nose tackle, I think, to, to win it. And it's just not a sexy position. It's not a position that's going to get a ton of recognition and awards, but I would be shocked if he's not first team all defense. And I would be shocked if he's even a Bearcat after next season, Alex, because he can, yeah, he's a redshirt sophomore this year. He, he's going to be an NFL player. And I would be, I'll be shocked after the production I expect from him in 2023 if he doesn't go and wow. get his name called in 2024 in the NFL. Wow. All right. So we teased it at the end of segment one. Now we're finally getting to it. The quarterback battle. How close Russ is it between Emory Jones and Ben Bryant? I think it's honestly, to me, it's close, but I think everybody's saying it's razor thin. It's very, very close. And I kind of used that headline in my article today, previewing the spring game. Bryant has been better. He's been the better quarterback. It's the bottom line. He has been better. He's not as athletic. He can't do as many things offensively in the system that Emory Jones can do in terms of the option game, in terms of the QB draw game, in terms of the QB read game. But he has been the most accurate passer on the team. He has dealt with this patchwork wide receiver room the best. He doesn't have any more. I mean, outside of Chris Scott and Leslie Ando, kind of. He doesn't really have any more experience with this receiver room than Emory Jones does. And Jones has missed more throws. He's been less accurate. He hasn't been on time as much. And yes, he's been the more athletic player and his skill set fits this system the best. But similar to last year, Alex, I'm not going to come on here and, and lie to the people. Ben Bryant has recovered from that foot injury very quickly. Very, I mean, I got to give him claps. Like to be able to get through that, yeah. get through the disappointment of not having a chance to go to the NFL draft. You're coming back, not with your tail tucked between your legs, but he told the media two weeks ago it wasn't his plan to be back here. He did not want to come back to Cincinnati. He wanted to pursue his professional dreams, but he's taken everything in stride. And he has honestly not taken the, the race by the horns, but from Emory Jones getting signed, I think that was the first. The, or the second, the day of the second press conference for Scott Satterfield. From that day to now, my presumptive starter for the Bearcats has completely changed. And right now, I would say Bryant, Ben Bryant should be the leader in the clubhouse from how he's performed through spring practice. Now, as I mentioned in the article, 
maybe Emory Jones is, is a turn the lights on type of player. Maybe Emory Jones, once these lights go bright, not kind of quote unquote there, because it's going to be played at 12 noon on Saturday, but you get what I'm saying here. Is yeah. Maybe he's a guy that in practice, in these types of settings, these kind of condensed situations where they're very red zone this, we're doing third down here, we're doing third and short here. They're all very kind of specific situations that they're practicing on. He can go into a free-flowing game environment and outperform Bryant. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. But as of right now, Ben Bryant has been the better passer, and Emory Jones has not been a great enough runner to make that null and void. You know what's interesting is this is kind of playing out a lot like last year's quarterback battle between Ben Bryant and Evan Prater, where Bryant was performing better in practice, and that's why he got all the starting reps. Now, one thing that fans didn't like was that Prater wasn't even used sparingly. Until Ben Bryant got hurt, Prater was rarely used. So is this coaching staff, unlike last year's Russ, do you think it's open to using multiple quarterbacks in the game? Or are they do they want to set their sights on one guy to lead this offense? I can't answer that, honestly. I, that's a great question. I wish I would have asked okay. that to Pete, uh, Pete Thomas, quarterback's coach. Last year, I did ask him, like, ask him about Evan Prater's athleticism. Prater, who, good good to note here, will not be playing in the spring game. He's dealing with a shoulder issue, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been bothering him all at camp, and they just don't want to put him really okay. in any of the situation where he might take a hit or might get get hurt in that sense. So he hasn't even really been able to put his full, f- full healthy foot forward in this quarterback battle to make it kind of a trio here. But when I asked Pete Thomas, he's like, yeah, we love his skill set. We love the athleticism he brings. He's like, I think everybody in America knows what he can do with the football in his hands as a runner. And so, yeah, maybe they'll be more open to it. But it just seems like such a hard thing to juggle, isn't it, Alex? Like, how many times does that game plan end up actually working out? If you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one usually. You're not going to be putting Caleb Williams back up in the game to go run speed options every now and then. Yeah. The goal should be to find the top guy, the most talented guy, the top leader in the room, and give him the keys to the kingdom. But it is very tough, especially like I talked to, uh, to mentioned my conversation with Thomas. He said he's never had a quarterback room this big in a spring ball. Interesting. Six, I think there's seven guys in there, including walk-ons. It's got one for every day of the week. It's amazing. Yeah. How's Brady Drogash looking? I know last time you said he's the real deal. Uh, does that continue to be the case? Oh, yeah. He's obviously got to kind of get up to speed in the system. He's got some weight to put on. He's got all that freshman stuff, the true freshman stuff that guys usually yeah. have to do unless you're Drake May or you're one of these absolute unicorns coming into the sport. But the arm talent is there. He's made some great throws that I've seen over the past couple of weeks. I think there was one one deep post to Leslie Ando, who's been the surprise wide receiver of the entire spring camp. He's kind of yeah. moved into that starting slot role that was open going into uh, the camp this year alongside D Wiggins and Don Benali on the outside. So props to Leslie Ando for that and props to him for uh, connecting with Brady Drogosh a few times. I love what I've seen out of Drogosh and next year he will definitely be well in the mix to, uh, I think, start for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Wow. How about that? Real quick. I, I know, it's kind of on the back burner right now, but men's basketball, the Bearcats, uh, Jeremiah Davenport earlier today committing to Arkansas. If you're listening to this tomorrow, yesterday, Jeremiah Davenport committed to Arkansas. Russ, uh, how is like, take, give me a pulse here on the Bearcats basketball program. Because to me, I'm going to be honest, it, it feels like it's kind of slipping a little bit. In what way? What do you mean? 
I just feel like things that we as fans were hopeful were going to return next year or not. And now you don't really know who that alpha is going to be. Now I'm talking to someone the other day and he goes, I, I, he thinks that, I mean, he told me, he's like, yeah, I think that Jizzle James and Rayvon Griffith can be those alpha guys. But like Russ, after losing Nolly and Davenport, it's like, like, is do you still think the basketball program is on an upward trajectory even after losing those two players? Okay. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly in my mind now. I wasn't as high on Jamil Reynolds adding him as a transfer yeah. as I would have been maybe uh, if they if they end up getting Jamarian Sharp, who they're in contact with, top 10 shot blocker average in the history of college basketball, 4.4 blocks per game over the past two seasons, seven foot five. He is the best rim protector in the country and easily the best one available right now. So I, I was a little hesitant to kind of give praise to the Jamil Reynolds signing just because he's he's not super big. He's not a super imposing rim presence in terms of defense. He's not going to blow you away with his skills on the other end offensively. But what I think he does do is he gives you requisite size alongside Victor Locken, and he allows you to continue that jump shot development with Victor Locken. This is the big key for the Bearcats front court, and it's how they will have the top tier of success that they can possibly have in the Big 12 in year one is if Victor Locken can become a threat to shoot a jumper, a threat from 20 to 26 feet. That is so crucial for this team because I do think they're going to bring in another big. They were in talks with Jamarian Sharp. I know they're in talks with uh, Oklahoma State uh, center. Musa Cisse, yeah. So I do think they will bring in one more big. I'm shocked that Jarrett Hensley or somebody else has not yet entered the portal. We've only had one portal entry from the Bearcats. So as of today, they have, what, Alex? They have one open transfer spot now that uh, they've added Jamil Reynolds. And then they lost Nolly and, and Jeremiah Davenport. So only one available transfer as of right now. Bearcats fans, I'm sure, are hoping. And I'm hoping, as a guy who wants to cover him, after watching him play in the NIT against UC, that CAA back-to-back player of the year, Aaron Estrada, will yeah. pick Cincinnati out of his final four on April 29th. And Alex, I think that's a big date. You and I can kind of, once May comes and we hit that first week of May, that's where I think we can really start to take a true kind of outlook view of this offseason going into 2023-24 because if they land Aaron Estrada, they get one more big, or maybe they don't get another big. Maybe Jared Hensley doesn't end up entering the portal and they end up rolling with this roster. Even if they don't add anyone else, they just add Reynolds and Estrada along with Davian Thomas, Jizzle James, Rayvon Griffith, Micah Adams-Woods, another year of development, Victor Locke another year of development, Odio Guama, another year of development. I think they can be a team that Hold competes up. Did for you a forget five. Dan, how dare you not mention Dan? Oh Skillings yeah, and Dan Jr. Skillings. Duh, Dan's gonna Dan's gonna be hopefully for people uh, right near the leading scorer. So there you go. They have the requisite talent, I think, at the wing, at the guard, and now yeah. at the big position to be able to compete for a 500 record in the Big 12. And Alex, if you're 500 in the Big 12, you are firmly on that NCAA tournament bubble and maybe getting yeah. in for the first time this decade. No question about it. I mean, you look at what Texas Tech was five and thirteen in the Big Twelve, and they were still playing meaningful basketball in the month of March. Yeah. So, I mean, that's. I mean, you only got to win five games in the conference. Can you scrounge out five wins? I mean, the hope is you can. And you 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 you, you do bring up a great point about Odio Guama. I, I really agree with that. So, that is going to wrap things up today. Russ, thank you. Thank you as always for 
uh, joining here on the live room. We'll be back next Thursday. Russ is on Twitter at Russ Hellman 11 and at all Bearcats. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank, not an underscore email, Alex 3 Frankie gmail.com. Russ, I'm, I'll see you on Saturday. Looking forward to covering some football with you. And uh, this will be the first game that spring or regular season I will be in attendance for a Nippert Stadium since you know, uh, the conference title game in 2021. There you go. Glad to have you back, Alex. It'll be a lot of fun on Saturday. Hopefully, if you see us walking around, see us around the stadium, say hi for sure. Yeah. Hope, hope, to, hope to fill. It would be very cool, Alex, if one day we can make the spring game a sellout every single year in Cincinnati. I don't know if it's going to sell out this year. I don't. They can't really track that because it's all free tickets. But it would be really cool to have a packed house at Nippert. We'll see how how full it can get on, on Saturday. Yeah, it would be. I mean, season. I mean, you look at what the program has done. You, you hope that we get to that point like a lot of other – Big time schools. Now they're in the power five. Russ, as always, thanks for joining. I'll see you on Saturday. All right. Yes, sir. Be safe, everybody. See you on Saturday, Alex. Thank you to Russ. And thank you to those of you who make Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. On Monday's show, we will recap the spring game. Have a great weekend. Please stay safe. Stay healthy. Enjoy the spring game. If you're going to go to it, if you're going to follow it from afar, at home, wherever. Enjoy yourselves. Um, looking forward to uh, getting down in Nippert Stadium and uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing some of you who make Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back on Monday recapping the spring game right here on Lockdown Bearcats.